Hey, everybody. Everybody, hello. Sean Harwell, you are listening to the Never Heard of a Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about movies that have fallen through our cracks, and the other crack in the room uh, is my co-host. Craig Cracker Moorhead. Oh. <laughs> you jumped the gun, but I'm glad I you did. On. I like the enthusiasm. Craig, how are you? I'm great, Sean. I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm looking great. How are you doing? Oh, yeah. Same. I don't know about the looking great thing, although I did just get a haircut. But uh, yeah, I feel, uh, I think maybe we're both mostly healthy this week. Yeah. Let's uh, just enjoy every second. Uh, you know what? I think I just got the flu. I felt it. Uh, I felt well, it. it was a good run. As always, if you want to find out what we're up to, if you're looking for those social media links, back episodes, etc., Go hang out at neverheardpodcast.com. You'll find everything you need, including a link to email us and uh, send us a suggestion, which we would love. We've got a whole new theme coming up for next month. Some movies picked out, but uh, it's never too late to get your suggestions in. we got a very interesting one that I'm excited about that I think we're going to do in April. So, uh, yeah, send them in. Yes. We'll get to oh, it. Oh, yeah. Hey, Craig. Hey, Sean. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping right off the bat uh, real quickly here. We were talking right before we recorded that Spotify is opening up their podcast selection to the non-elitist bullcrap podcast that they had been limited. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Quote-unquote popular podcast. Podcast for the people. Yeah. So they're letting the little man in we have submitted. So uh, you should be able to find us there, and we'll let you know about that. And then, you know, Craig, I was just looking here, and we've – Maybe should have mentioned this a little while ago, but we've crossed the 20,000 listens number for this podcast yeah. in total. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's other podcasts, those ones aforementioned, that get that and more per episode. <laughs> but screw them, you know? Yeah, We're really. very happy what do they to have that number. I mean, it's, I think it's impressive. I haven't listened to this podcast a thousand times myself, so... No. So, I mean, thank it's you. It's not just us. Yeah, so yeah. thank you. That's awesome. All those ears out there. Yeah, it's it's great, and we appreciate it. And, Craig, I was thinking I might drop a new segment on you today. Oh, man, drop a segment. Drop a hot segment, Sean. Let's talk about what else we've watched. I know you were out of town, so maybe you haven't seen anything else in the past two weeks. No, no, I can, uh, I can, I can, okay. I can stand my ground on this one. You go first. Okay, oh. I watched for the first time... Uh, Wind River and Spider-Man Homecoming and then rewatched Apollo 13 the other day. I uh, enjoyed all three. Mm -hmm. uh, Wind River, man, uh, one of my favorites from last year. If you haven't seen that or don't know what that is, that's, uh, I believe, Taylor Sheridan is the writer-director who did Sicario and Hell or High Water. If you've seen either of those and liked either of those, you got to see this one. It is bleak and brutal in places, but really cool. Got a great vibe to it. Um, and some really good performances, awesome setting, lots of snow. Uh, I don't need to say anything about Spider-Man Homecoming because I'm probably the last person to see that, but it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Great twist, great twist at the end of that movie or towards the back half of that movie. Yeah, that's that's a great moment, isn't it? It is fantastic. And really I even well knew that there was a twist, but I didn't, I didn't predict it to be that. Mm -hmm. And it, it ties everything together and really took it to a new level. And I enjoyed that immensely. And yeah, Apollo 13 feels a little dated, I will say, you know, especially for a movie that 
I mean, that was one of those big wow CGI moments, right? When you saw that like shuttle take off in the preview, oh, yeah. I remember, you know, that overhead shot is amazing. Uh, some of that stuff feels a little dated, but uh, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. I didn't remember the voiceover at the end. Wasn't a huge fan of that, but, you know, it's patriotic. It's Tom Hanks. It's a hero moment. Why not, I guess? Uh, but, yeah, it was enjoyable. And they look like babies, those three men. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Bacon, Bill Paxton, and uh, and Mr. Tom Hanks. It's crazy, crazy, mm. 1995. Uh, okay, so that's it for me. What about you? It's weird. I've actually kind of been watching things in pieces lately. Recently watched the Kingsman Golden Circle. I haven't seen either of those. I got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, it's it's neat. Uh, My wife and I both have an affinity for ridiculous action movies, movies in which action is ridiculous. And so like that will usually pull us in and then we kind of see whether the movie's good or not. I really liked the first one a lot. And the second one has a lot of what's good about the first one, but I still don't. I don't know. The, the second one at the end, I didn't feel like it really did quite as much for me. But, I mean, they're still both a lot of fun to watch, especially if you don't mind seeing a lot of blood and gross things happen to people. Never um, mind that, right? Yeah. Uh, we're, 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 we're halfway through The Hitman's Bodyguard, which we're enjoying because we both uh, like that, yeah. Ryan Reynolds very much. We think he's very funny. Mm-hmm. And Sam Jackson. You guys just kind of like seeing people get shot. I'm kind of getting yeah. the feeling. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um it's weird, and yet I'm 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 all for new gun restrictions. Anyway, sure, yeah, just not in movies. Don't restrict them in movies, for God's sake. No, gosh, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, but you know what? I've been watching like almost every night. I've been watching like little bits of uh, this is the end. Oh yes, some of our buddies uh, were in and worked on a, a little while back. Ton of fun, loved that movie. Yeah, I mean, I really, I like it. Just it feels like a movie that I I wish I kind of had written. I just like yeah. the idea. I mean, if there are so many like little great comic moments. I don't know. I, I think there's a danger with with some of these movies where like people will just let actors just like ad lib the movie to yeah. death. And like, there's definitely lots of freeform going on in there. But I don't know. It really it really builds well. And like the ending is such a great. Like it just keeps going just crazier and crazier. Yeah. So uh, I really like that. So I've just been kind of honestly, I've been ending like every night. <laughs> Like watching a little bit more of that and so on. So that's kind of where I've been lately. I, I kind of did write that movie actually before This Is The End. And oh. uh, yeah, it was about a uh, a guy who is a very pious, straight-laced gentleman who finds himself left behind uh, when the rapture is happening and, and wondering why the hell he, <laughs> he has that. not been, been taken when worse people clearly are ascending to the skies. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I you know I had some interest in it every now and then. It'd pop yeah. up. It was a good sample for me that I just wrote on spec. And then when I saw the premise for for this one, I was like, "Oh Jesus, that's way smarter." There's <laughs> <It's, it's laughs> like, well, but that's the thing. Just I mean, like have people play themselves. That was like such a brilliant idea, you know? Right. But I mean, that's I mean, that's definitely that's your you know execution dependent script, right? Like absolutely, yeah. It's, not just anyone could walk in. Not that you're just anyone, Sean. Don't get me wrong. Well, no, but yeah, no, saying yeah, like all these people should play themselves. It's like okay, sure, but but yeah, I mean it's yeah. it is it's great, and just just the fact that just just the uh, there's just that you know obvious suggestion that they point out in the movie that they all are basically not heaven worthy, like none of them right. are, you know. Yeah, and no, I don't know. I, I really like it. I really like those those dudes, and um, it's neat. It's neat to watch. Yeah, so, yeah. fun, fun. Uh, well, is that it? That is, I mean, that's it for me right now. Yeah, aside from the movie that we're going to talk about today, Sean. And what movie is that? 
That movie, Craig, nice segue, is Thank Medicine you. for Melancholy. Hopefully you listen to the tee up. Uh, if not, it's worth checking out, even if you're not going in order. No big deal. But yeah, this is 2008 indie drama romance from Barry Jenkins, the writer-director of Moonlight. It is a solid hour and 28 minutes long, it looks like. And the premise from IMDb is 24 hours in the tentative relationship of two young San Franciscans also dealing with the conundrum of being a minority in a rapidly gentrifying city. And, yeah, it is that. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, sometimes that's in the subtext and sometimes it's right up front, at least the last part of that description. But as we mentioned, the two people that it, it features prominently and focuses mainly on are played by Wyatt Sinek and Tracy Higgins and Craig you saw this in the theater. I'm assuming yeah. you watched it again and aren't just relying on your poor, poor memory. Oh, no, there's no way. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll probably forget this like in a week, but uh, yeah. that's why we do this podcast so I can remember what I watched. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about Medicine for Melancholy the second time you saw it? What's interesting is I didn't remember the gentrification thread throughout uh-huh. it at all. Like To me, in my memory, it was just... It was very much a sort of before sunrise, two people sort of wandering through a city talking right. about different things, essentially. Like, you know, like it wasn't, to be honest, like nothing had really stuck with me. No idea had stuck with me from the movie. That's fair. I think that's completely a fair takeaway, by the way. Continue. Yeah. So, so I guess, so that's the thing. Like that was kind of surprising. And the other thing that I'll say, and, and, you know, it may have way more to do with me, obviously medicine for melancholy doesn't have a lot of uh, a lot of gun action right i mean there's almost it does, none it does not <laughs> so i don't even remember seeing one craig right. uh, well yeah <laughs> I, maybe i maybe i made that part up but it it, it, it so I, I had to watch this one in pieces as well mm-hmm. because i do take notes and it takes me a little longer to get through it and i didn't have a ton of time so i kind of had to break it up over yeah. a course of nights and i have to be honest like i would sit down at night i'd kind of like I really don't feel like watching this right now. Like I don't feel like Mm -hmm. picking it back up. And what's interesting is it wasn't really any particular reason outside of its, you know, as far as I can figure out, it's just, it's not super grabby. Like if you're in it and you watch it beginning to end, I think you'll have a fine time, especially Mm -hmm. if you like movies and you like kind of really kind of picking things apart and looking at it. But yeah, I mean, if once, when I put that book down, like the next night I didn't really want to pick it back up. So that's, that's where I was at. How about you? Uh, yeah, I think those are all fair criticisms. I enjoyed it. I watched it in one one straight shot. You know, there's there's things I like about it. There's things I, I liked less about it. But I think overall, I'm kind of with you in... And again, I, I kind of feel like this is sort of like the intention of this movie. The takeaway for me is is just like, yeah, I'll remember this couple in San Francisco, right? More than I'll remember specific plot details, really, you know? Yeah. Because the the plot is is extremely loose, and again, I think that's that's just part of the point. And you know, as we mentioned in the previous episode, I mean, he made this for like fifteen grand, right? Yeah, two weeks. And so, I think when you're when you watch a movie like of that micro budget, like I want like a POV, and mm. I want a feeling and a tone. More than I'm really expecting, like an explosive plot. Obviously, I mean, right. I can't even. I can't think of a single movie that was made for that amount of money that had like, 
you know, big events. I mean, maybe, you know, something like Blood Sucking Bastards or something in the horror genre, but even that, I don't imagine they had more than 15 grand just in blood well, alone. We could say like El Mariachi, but, but, yeah, but honestly, yeah, I mean, uh, they're the exception to the you. rule, I think, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. And, and even that, I mean, it, it shows its, it shows its price tag on its sleeve, really. Yeah. But, uh, and I think the movie succeeds in doing that. Like it, it has yeah. a real feeling to it and a vibe to mm-hmm. it. And I can totally see why people were invested in what Barry Jenkins was going to do next, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I I'd mean, be again, thrilled, like, by the way, I'd be thrilled if this was my movie. Oh my god, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, so. it shows a real, real competency and a real promise that he then obviously fulfilled in mm-hmm. Moonlight. Although those two movies, I mean, it's an astronomical leap just in far of like as far as storytelling is concerned. I mean, and I know Moonlight was based on a play, and you know, he had a co-writer, and but I mean, the the structure of that movie is extremely thought out and, and purposeful, whereas this is not, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's loose again. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think on the whole really kind of enjoyed it. It was nice to see something of this budget and something that I, I don't know. I liked the fact, and we maybe we should just talk about this right off the bat. The movie is, is heavily desaturated, you know, the look mm-hmm. of it. And in fact, I think, you know, he's talked about the fact that, you know, when people ask about it, he just kind of likes to, to joke and say that it's, it's 93% black and white. Right. And to reflect the fact that only 7% of the population in San Francisco is black, you know, which gets right. mentioned in the film. And it's kind of crazy. I, I looked that up today just to see if there was a more recent thing. But I, I found it from 2010. And, yeah, it was, it was actually lower. It was like 6 point something percent versus, you know, Oakland, which is what I guess you can throw a stone and hit it from San Francisco. It was 28% you know, right. population. So yeah, it, it's, you know, the, and that's all that's threaded throughout this, but I don't know. What do you, and especially seeing it again, like what does the look of this movie, how does that work for you? Uh, it works really well, especially considering it was a, uh, you know, it was shot on digital, one of those early digital yeah, movies. And it's, you know, it, it kind of took sort of a low quality look to the point, I mean, I, and, and uh, you know, I was watching a DVD on a yeah. on a largish screen, so it you know, it it kind of looked great, not sharp at all, but mm-hmm. but the quality of it was it was a, a kind of graininess, and I guess probably it is a film transfer, and then put I on DVD. So yeah, yeah. So, but regardless, yeah, like the look of it in those terms, like I I do like that. You know, um, I'm, I'm glad it doesn't just look like video because that generally turns me off depending on what the movie's about. But and then the, the desaturation. Yeah, that's it's really interesting. And I don't remember it from last time at all. But oh, that wow. desaturation. Well, like I, I remember it being very like sepia tone. Like, yeah. like exactly like it's it's almost it's almost totally desaturated. But mm-hmm. or it is and it's maybe tinted a little bit. But what I didn't remember were the bits that were not desaturated at all, that were just fully color. I mean, right. I didn't even think about that last time. Well, and there are a few moments where it almost does feel like completely black and white. You know, I'm thinking like in that museum, there's a shot that's almost like completely dark and you know, you're just getting the silhouettes oh, of these yeah. two people, you know, where they're, I think they're in like a little screening room. Uh, yeah. And then there was another one where they were like walking underneath some, you know, multi-tiered, structure 
of concrete or so I can't remember, but like they're walking from darkness into the light and like that. I was like, oh, there, there's a lot of contrast in that to the point where I, part of me wished like it would be interesting to see a completely black and white version of this movie, you know? Yeah. The thing that I really appreciated of the desaturation was good. Like I don't need to see one more movie where they're trying to make everything look beautiful and pretty Mm-hmm. and like see the reality of the city you know even like aside from whatever w- way that this like subtly plays into what he was talking about the, like the the race population here even from that you know aside from that subtext like at least it's interesting to look at you know mm-hmm. they're not just trying to photograph it as it is and i think that's also right. like that's a great choice when your budget is constrained and i feel like not everybody makes that choice. And sometimes I just wonder why it's like, well, you know, you, you know, you've only got two weeks and you don't have the best camera in the world. Why are you trying to make this look like, should you even be trying to make it look as, right. as beautiful as you possibly can, or just try to make it look interesting, like find some other way to, to make it stand out, you know? And I, and I felt like in that sense, yeah, that totally works. And like, I think that again, like five years from now, when I, when I think about this movie, I'll just kind of think of them walking down the street and like what that looks like. And it will look desaturated in my mind. So right. again, like mission accomplished as far as like making this <laughs> at least stick with me because of that, you know? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Like, I think it is a good lesson in, you know, looking at what you've got and really, yeah, wearing that on your sleeve. Uh, instead of you know trying to make it look like something it's it's not you can burn a lot of time trying to get yeah, that one perfect shot and then you, yeah. you don't get any of your story and i mean there's definitely like some you know shaky handheld here and there and there's mm-hmm. some stuff where they're obviously in a car and it's bouncing around and uh you know it works it's not like completely cinema verite or supposed to be but i don't know i appreciated the like stylistic choice of that if it was completely in black and white, do you think that would change the sort of overall mood of this movie? I don't know. I, I kind of feel like yeah. if it was in, if it was totally in black and white, I might feel less connected to those characters Interesting. in a weird way. Whereas yeah. I, I, I feel like they'd be in a movie world mm-hmm. instead of I, I, That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, that's usually what that, what that kind of thing does to me. Mm-hmm. And and then once you get once you're straight black and white, then you're you're in a whole nother tier of of getting like beautiful black and white photography and stuff like that. And like again, I don't think that's what this should be about at all. And it's not. Yeah. You know, yep. it's about these two people and these faces. I mean, that camera stays so tight on those faces so many times. Oh like, yeah. So much of that movie is is actually pretty claustrophobic. Except like, mm-hmm. and I love like the reveal at the beginning because you don't know where they are. Yep. for most of their first conversation and then they walk up over this hill and like there's san francisco mm-hmm. you have this huge wide shot of it like i loved that i, I love the i love the way that I, I love that reveal this is a little embarrassing but i i kind of forgot your name i don't know if we ever got there yeah i know we didn't we were pretty drunk i'm i'm micah Angela. Nice to meet you, Angela. Let's let's talk about the plot and the setup a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, you know, as far as plot goes, that's pretty much it. You know, yeah. that the beginning and then the end, sort of. But it does. I mean, it plays into probably 
what we should be talking the most about, which is this couple themselves. And so, yeah, you open, and I really enjoyed it too. It's like, you know, Wyatt Cenac, I can't remember if he's getting out of bed. He is getting out of bed, and you see that there's a woman still in bed. And he goes and he brushes his teeth with his finger. And I was like, okay, well, he's clearly not at home, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know that from that detail because he would have a toothbrush. And then she gets up and she does the same thing. And so then I was like, well, where, where the heck are they? And there's no words spoken in any of that. They go down a set of steps and they pick out their pairs of shoes from this entire pile of shoes <laughs> left on the floor. And that's just like another great little detail. I was like, oh, okay, obviously they were at a party. And, you know, we knew going in, uh, you know, I don't know if you did going into the your first theater experience, but I knew from just reading about this movie and researching that, yeah, it was, it was based about a one-night stand. And so clearly I had that baggage coming into it, but still I was like, well, this is interesting and this is revealing. And like, I don't quite know, okay, when did they, when are they going to address where they are and what happened? And so it's like, they're putting their shoes on and then this other guy walks out of a room and he's like, hey, I can, there's breakfast and cereal if you guys want to stay. And they're like, no, no, thanks for the party. And they walk out the door and they're off and yeah, they go across the hill and they're both going the same direction. And you get that shot of the, of the city and, and that's kind of all you need. And it's, it's done yeah. really well, I thought. Like it, it's, it's very purposely constructed, especially for a movie this small, you know. Yeah. But that is very deliberate. And um, yeah. I loved all that. They go and they have breakfast. Here's where I think we got, we got to talk about like the characters and and them as real people. I, I don't I don't know. Like part of me had a hard time. I, I just couldn't get a read on Tracy Higgins' character, uh, mm-hmm. who we'll later find out is named Joe, because she seems very guarded and to obviously maybe somewhat regret the decision that she made the night before. But she does agree to have breakfast with him right yeah did you ever for a moment like like me i was just thinking about I was like, I, yeah i don't know like what am i completely 100 percent buying this part of the setup that they would would do this yeah well you know it, it really started to hit me more later on a little bit later on in the story yeah. but yeah i did start to feel like you know i don't know like if if i got drunk and i cheated on my girlfriend I, yeah, I feel like what I would probably do is wait for that girl to fall asleep, and then I'd be I'd be gone. Yeah, I'd be one hundred percent gone, and I mean that would be it. So yeah, I mean it, it it does kind of raise a lot of questions. Like why is she, why is she treating this situation this way? Like clearly there's something, something wrong with her other relationship. Yeah. We don't really necessarily get an idea about what it is, except that he's that guy is never around. Yeah. And maybe that's a part of it. And she's just gotten to the point where she's like lonely and whatever. Like you can kind of come up with your own stuff, but it's never really brought up. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I would accept that invitation to coffee. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, uh, not, to, not to skip over too much, but he finds her later. And he's like, hey, can I come into your place? And she's like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, really? Like, you don't know this guy at all. Well, she knows She knows parts of him. Well, I guess she knows him better than I do. But um, <laughs> yeah. But still, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, going and getting coffee, okay. That's awkward and weird, but normal enough. But that's the roughest part for me is, is like, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what is it about Wyatt that... Uh, or Micah in the movie. What is it about Micah that she just can't say no to? 
I had some issues with just like yeah the believability of of exactly what that would look like um and and figuring her her read on it a little bit I, I think his Wyatt Sinax is a little clearer you know he's mm-hmm. trying to I think at least extend an olive branch and say well, I know this is awkward but let me at least buy you you know yeah. breakfast or or try to make some sort of like at least like acquaintance to you that aside I did really like where it went from there because because they leave breakfast and they take a cab, they share a cab. There's a moment where she stops and she gets out. You know, he's like trying to hold the cab and, and kind of go after her and, and, you know, at least like get her number, I guess, or whatever he's planning to do or, or spend more time with her. And she's just not responding. And so he gets back in the cab and he's headed home. And then you find out that she left her wallet in the cab. And so... A, aside from the fact that he seems surprised by how much the fare costs because they they show the meter already, so you know he can see it. Like he's, mm-hmm. You know, that aside, that's no big deal. I did like the fact that then it's like, okay, that's an interesting premise for something this small. They had a one-night stand. It's pretty obvious she's done with him, right? Yeah. And now he's got her wallet. He knows that she lied about her name because he's got her driver's license and it says Joanne and that's her real name. But, like, what do you do? Like, do you just be a complete dick and not give her her wallet back because she just spurned you? Or do you try to do the right thing, even though it's going to be even more awkward to show up on her doorstep with this this wallet that she left in the car? And so uh, I, I like that little bit. I like him, like, getting on MySpace and trying to figure out. Like, MySpace! Well, yeah, MySpace. That's right. This is... Uh, yeah. I wonder how many movies actually have MySpace in them. I feel like there's probably not that many. Like, it was such a short-lived... Man. I mean, like that, and and just side note on that, like when MySpace popped up, I was just like, how old is that? Like, it just feels like yeah. now, it feels like Facebook has been around since the 1980s. And now, it's just like, yeah. MySpace, oh my God. Like, yeah, where were we as a nation? But anyway, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I liked all that. I mean, I liked him trying to figure out what her address was, and he's like knocking on various doors. Um, and then, yeah, he does find her, and she lives in this you know, fairly large apartment and you find out that she's got a boyfriend and he's in London and he's a curator. You need all that information, but then they spend the rest of the day. And to me, like that's, that's where I, I kind of like butt up against this movie a little bit. And almost, I was thinking about what we talked about last episode where he said that uh, Barry Jenkins said he specifically did not rewatch any of the before sunrise movies. Right. Cause he didn't want to, yeah. he didn't want to remake those. He didn't want this to be derivative of that. I totally get that, and this is its own animal, but there were times where I'm like, I just wish there were more dialogue in this movie, like, as a whole. And it's not like they got to completely address the boyfriend that she's got in London, and we find out that he had a girlfriend at one point that clearly broke his heart, Mm -hmm. and a white woman, no less, and he spends a lot of time talking about mixed couples. But they never really talk about the boyfriend or his ex-girlfriend to each other. Right. It's one of those things where I feel like, just in general, if you're spending 24 hours with a person, you would probably they would talk. You would talk more than these two people talk in this movie. I think. Yeah. Right. For two people who have not, who don't know each other. Yeah, especially they don't know each other, even though they slept together, but they they do not know each other. Like just some of that basic stuff. And yeah. part of me, I mean, I appreciate that. I like that the movie doesn't have like too much dialogue or bad dialogue. But sure. there were times where I'm like, I just, I do wish there was a little bit more because I think it would tell me a little bit more about them. I wanted some addressing 
of their respective previous relationships, right? Or yeah. in her case, current relationship. Am I alone? I mean, did that bother you at all? Like, do you still find yourself wondering? I mean, I think you, you mentioned it briefly already. It was just like, does she love this guy that she's in a, in a relationship with? Yeah. You know, I, I definitely thought about that watching the movie. And it kind of brings me to another thing where, where I'm always in a movie like this, I'm always thinking about like, at what point uh, are these characters characters? And at what point are they representative of, you know, the, the, the message of the movie, uh-huh. that kind of thing. And, and I don't know, I, I feel like some movies are able to walk the line where the characters are always characters plus representative of a larger thing, but they're always the characters. And uh, man, how, how do I, uh, how do you put a little bow tie on this? Right. I, I, and, and, and I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know like, how to so, tie a bow tie. Sometimes period, I would so. just feel like, I guess that's the thing to me is like when characters start doing something that doesn't seem like it would really happen in real life, then I started thinking, oh, well, they're just representing an idea. Uh-huh. Whereas if they're totally you know, logical to their own character the whole time, then I never really think about them being represented to an idea. I'm just thinking of them as characters. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. Well, like you're saying, like I feel like they would talk way more. And yeah. it does seem like at some point she would say something about the ex-girlfriend. But your ex-girlfriend was white. And because and, he's given her a lot of grief about her boyfriend being white. Even if she just mentioned it and he like completely shut it down and wouldn't even talk about it. Like to me, it's like, right. that's like all I need, you know, or yeah. really wanted. But um, yeah, anyway, I mean, sorry. she knows, she knows oh, what yeah. the deal is. And, yep, and I guess, you know, it. in that moment, maybe, you know, you, you can say like she, she can kind of take his criticism a little, a little bit easier because yeah. maybe she knows that, you he's know, he's coming from a place of pain, but yeah. then it, then it kind of switches over to the representative side where it's just like, there are so few black people in San Francisco. It's like, if you feel like like your cultural group is just disappearing and fading away, like you want to cling to somebody, yeah, and and not feel that way, and not feel like you're just gonna disappear. Um, which I, he kind of has some stuff where he says stuff like that, and uh, yeah, and, and I mean, I really liked all that stuff. I guess that's where I'm kind of coming down on. It. Yeah, I think I, you know, I I have a clearer sense of exactly where he's coming from. You know, it's definitely mm-hmm. from a place of pain. Totally, he's born and raised in this city, and I just enjoyed watching this for like, yeah, all those little San Francisco things that I I didn't really like ever think about it. I don't feel like you've I've seen in those movies yeah. before, but like even that conversation where he talks about like I think I kind of wrote it down here. It's like. He says that it, you know, San Francisco is beautiful. It's got nothing to do with beatniks, hippies, or yuppies, and you shouldn't have to be upper middle class to be a part of that. And you know, maybe it's a little preachy, but like you know, and she kind of like rides him on that a little bit. You know, they mm-hmm. definitely have sort of like opposing views a little bit in regards to that whole situation. And uh, she's not a native, you know, she's a transplant from somewhere else. I can't remember where. And all of that stuff I think is is good, and like it's it's tied in through like ways that felt natural and organic to me. But again, it was like, yeah, this is the stuff they would be talking about. And like, for sure, if this was a Richard Linklater movie, they would spend the entire movie talking about that. Right. Um, And so, yeah, I get it. Like he's not, and that's not exactly what he was trying to do, but yeah, I would, I totally would have been down with like 20% more dialogue. (laughs) No problem at all. And I feel like it would have felt a little more, yeah, a little more true to life as far as like uh, these two people, spending a day together they're gonna they're gonna talk more but it's a minor nitpick for me i guess and i also 
I completely get the fact that you've got two weeks and a very, very limited budget. A lot of times it's just way easier not to record dialogue, especially, you know, like they go into that club and there's that whole extended sequence where they're dancing and things like that. And it's just like, yeah, why would you even bother like bringing a microphone into that environment, you know? Right. Um, it's going to be awful. Yeah. Totally get that. Are there little moments that, that stick out to you that you remember that you like a lot? I, I'll give you one real quickly for mine and then you see if there's something else that you compare it to. Mm-hmm. I like the moment where I think uh, he's at her, He you know, he finds her. He's at her apartment. She says she's going to go take her. There's a lot of showering in this movie. <laughs> None of yeah. it together. And a lot of but she, Yeah. And so she goes and takes a shower and like he's just kind of like walking around and making himself at home and just checking out her apartment. And there's that moment where he opens the door to the bathroom and he can hear the shower. You know, I did kind of wonder, I was like, is, is he going to go in there? Uh, is he going to try to join her in the shower? Or I mean, they did already have sex or, yeah. or what exactly, but he doesn't. And like, he doesn't say a word. It never comes up again. And like, I don't know. I just like that little moment was just like, it tells you a lot about this guy in some regards. Mm-hmm. It would be a very male thing to do to just think, maybe I'll just go peek my head in there, you know, or say hello yeah. or, or something, you know, he ultimately, I think, does does the right thing because certainly she was not in any way, shape or form, I think, making an invitation for him to join her in the bathroom at that point. So, yeah, I like that. And there, there's, you know, there's moments like that that I think, you know, stuck out to me. It's just nice little moments in this framework of a plot. Well, again, I, I, I think the bit that sticks with me that I that I really like is that sort of reveal of San Francisco. Yeah. And, and as we were talking one. before, just really how all the reveals of the open, like there is, there's just constant reveals without people saying what's going on. All, yeah. all pretty smart. And, and, and one of the things that I kind of liked, and I, and I think it holds true throughout the rest of the movie, is so Micah does have a number of rants about how, you know, this gentrification is taking place, how it's not good, how it's like really pushing black people out of San Francisco and, and, and poor people yeah. out and all that. That being said, white people in the movie are portrayed as being very kind, yeah, and thoughtful on the matter and all that kind. Of, like it, it's it's never it's not like yeah like every white person is just like some like racist asshole, yeah. But it's it's you know it's larger forces than just yeah people being racist. Even to the extent where you almost get the impression that she's participating in what's going on in the city uh, right. uh, on the gentrification side because like she's living rent free the boyfriend's playing paying for it and he's white yeah. and like she's going to the museum and like running errands for him and things like that and like it's never hypercritical of what she's doing it's just it's just there no. for you to sort of like form your own and, opinions yeah. and then and, and, uh, and, and when when he goes after her sorry well, I was just saying, I mean, there was the great moment where it's completely out in the open where they sort of like stumble upon this weird little meeting of uh, people where they're talking about, you know, an upcoming memorandum that will essentially uh, eliminate rent control from California and how people are being pushed to the east side and all these things. And I just thought it was really interesting. It's like there's not a black person among that group whatsoever, like that you don't see them yeah. at all. Uh, and it's just all white people. And there's no comment about it whatsoever. You don't even see Wyatt. Uh, and Tracy in that scene, you just know that right. they're there listening, I think. And uh, they never talk about it again. I just thought that was such a really smart, interesting decision. Yeah. Even though it's certainly on the nose, but it, it, again, it, it felt totally believable. I mean, I think that had to be a real meeting of some kind that they yeah. just filmed. And uh, well, I, and actually, I, I think there stuff. was I think there was one black person in that meeting. But was I think there? again, okay. it just it just goes to that point of 
of there are very few black there's only seven percent and here's why you know it's it's not that every white person doesn't give a shit right it's it's just like but but here's you know which yeah exactly like i i i I like that very much yeah uh the other thing that i was thinking about was and actually you brought up the the waterfall stuff which is kind of interesting there is a lot of showering peeing waterfalls (laughs) aquariums yeah I haven't really Me thought either. about that, all that stuff yet. The one thing I was thinking about is there's a shot where when he's going to take her wallet back to her, the camera is spinning around uh-huh. him, right? And he's he's kind of turning and the camera's spinning around him. And then later when they're together, they get onto a carousel and it's like, it's them who's spinning now. So now that they're a couple, they're on a carousel and they're the ones who are spinning and everything else is, you know, moving behind them. I don't know. I don't, I I really honestly don't exactly know what that means, except that uh, uh, he seems to be the in, in the middle of a of a whirlwind. But then when he's with her, like there they are. The I don't know. I'm not sure. I hadn't thought about that either, but uh, I would have to imagine it was very purposeful. You know, I love that carousel yeah. moment. I really like the music in that moment. It was a really cool moment of score there. I don't know what it was from or or whatnot. I did find out actually just looking through the credits. You remember. I mentioned that he said he was really inspired by a, a movie called Vendredi Soir by Claire Denis. And in fact, they used some of the score in this movie, I noticed in the credits. Yeah, this little oh, wow. side side note there. I'm glad you brought up the fish tank thing because I loved that discussion. I mean, that whole talk, you know, it comes at like, a, I think at a perfect <laughs> point where they've come back to his apartment after spending a couple hours together and they're just sitting there and she does finally ask, she's like, okay, what do you do? And like he tells her, and like he's the number two guy for setting up commercial fish tanks in in all of San Francisco, and it's it's such a nice little moment, and like, like an interesting little detail um, that I found myself. Where's the sp- the spinoff movie where we just see him like working? You know, it was like I want to see I want to see that dude do his job. Like I would watch Wyatt Cenac like set up a fish tank, yeah. no problem. And unexpected too. Like I just he's got that aquarium in his room, Definitely. and like, I didn't think anything I, about it, but it was like oh. That's what this dude does. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good little story. And did you notice when she looked on his MySpace page, you notice what his quote was back when I, they used to have I don't remember. I saw it and read it, but I don't remember what it was. Do you? It was 20,000 leagues under uh, the sea. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, a, yeah. So, like, there's he's a fish guy. <laughs> clearly, there's there's more here that I need to be chewing on. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because there's also the bit where they go after they go to the MOAD, the, the what is it? Museum of African Diaspora. Yes. yes. Is that what it is? Yep. Diaspora. After they visit that, they go, and I'm not sure what the place was, but they go to another place, um, and it's got this, like a part of the design is this big waterfall that they kind of walk uh-huh. under, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what what do you think that would be? I mean, is it is it just literally like you're just getting, you're, you're just drowning? You're, you're just floating to the bottom of the ocean? Like, just this feeling of like, I can't, you can't get back to where I was before? Like, what do you... Oh man, gosh, you put me on the spot. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it in those terms or even out that hard, you know, I I loved that shot though. When they were walking into the waterfall, it was really nice. like, it's one of those, like there's multiple shots in this movie where it feels like they're kind of just across the street with a camera. And like in that instance, you know, there was a guy there who did not look like an an extra. He just looked like he happened to be there and it was like made like a perfect, perfect frame. I don't know. I mean, I think you could read into that thematically for him, for sure. And I guess to an extent her and maybe both of them as a couple that they are kind of like floating in this environment. They're the one angel fish in a sea of other fish, maybe. Right. But I don't know. I I think it's a little it's just a little more complicated with her because, again, like I don't quite know 
what the reality is of her relationship with the guy in London, you know. Clearly, right. she's cheated on him twice in the span of 24 hours, so... Yeah. I mean, she's spending all day with this guy that she had a one-night right. stand with, and she's having a good yeah. time. So, yeah, I mean, there's there can't be too strong a bond with the guy from London. Let's talk about the end then, because I, I think this ties directly to that, and maybe the, the biggest question in this movie is whether or not this relationship continues... Again, just just loved how he sort of like framed and shot the moment at the end of this evening where they're back at his apartment. They're just kind of embracing one another, and he's basically begging her to stay until the sun comes up. And then when the sun is up, you see him in the bed, and you kind of like follow through to the balcony, and she's down on the street on her bike and pedals away. It's a super fitting ending for this movie. I mean, that's kind of how it mm -hmm. begins but I, I don't know do you think that's the end of their relationship or what i don't know well the, the thing i was trying to get a handle on too she sneaks out mm -hmm. which kind of gives you that thought of well then she could have snuck out the first time yeah i think she was awake already like she heard him in the bathroom at the beginning and the other thing is that this last shot is in full color you're right like, yeah we come to that next morning and it's Mm -hmm. full color so what does that mean like that that was another thing i was trying to figure out is is or are we kind of saying like all the other stuff was sort of a memory a memory of hers or not even that um this next morning is is everything in color because she's had a realization i mean he's asleep so that's why i figure the whole color thing has to have more to do yeah. with her um is she seeing san francisco in a whole new light because of him or is that yeah, like why but why is she sneaking out? Or is that just out? like okay, we're back into reality and this is what the world looks like right. and there she yeah, goes. Like that that has to be over yeah. that romantic. Yeah. That's yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't have a real strong educated guess other than the gut instinct would be that that is a relationship that's not going to really continue. Um that are, it really yeah. was just this 24 hours. She's probably not going to stay with the boyfriend in London. I don't see that happening. Um, you know, no. and uh, he's going to continue to float until he finds somebody else. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know that we're supposed to really have a uh, a strong sense, or at least like a concrete yeah. feeling either way. But again, like yeah, like we're talking about, like it is a big city, but they're in small numbers in that city you'd have to imagine they'd run into one another again. I mean, that seems certainly possible. They're at the same parties. They don't live that far sure. from one another. They both ride bikes. They both kind of are into, you know, similar music and stuff. It is interesting in that if you think about the Linklater movies, this, this totally could have the same sort of sequel thing. Like, we could revisit these people sure. 10 years later, and it, it might be totally different. You know, it would be the second, third time they've seen each other since then or something. Um I don't know. It would be it would be yeah. really interesting to see him make another one of these with like a real budget and and what he would do with it. I'd be curious to see and even just like to see how San Francisco has continued to change ten years later. You know, since so much Absolutely. of the movie is about that. Like that's actually kind of what I'm interested in in kind of checking out. I found myself just thinking about it. It's even like where I live is going. There's so much change right now. Ten years. That's a long time. I wonder because yeah. I, I haven't been to San Francisco in, in quite a while, not since like the early '90s. So um, it would be interesting to to see it, see how right they were. Let's let's Indeed. talk just a few other little things. I wanted to point mm -hmm. out there's a ton of music in this movie, right? 
I mean, it's kind of yeah. crazy. Like, I don't know. And like, I feel like there was like a Tom Waits song in there and stuff. Like, I, I, I'm always kind of curious because like, obviously there was no budget for music when he made the thing. But is that like, I feel like right. that's one of the things that you gain when you get like distribution through IFC. Like maybe they give him another X amount of money to go get the rights for these songs. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% sure that's what happened. No the DVD did have an interview with him, like some sort of audio interview. And I, I listened to a little bit of that. And he talked about like some reviewer mentioning like that it felt like a mixtape. And then and he said that's totally what he intended. And a, a lot of the music is his own. You know, it's definitely coming from his collection and stuff. But the, and there's some really interesting choices in there. Yeah. I didn't love that club scene. I got to say, like the bar when they go dancing. And yeah. I don't know, you know, part of me is is wondering if. If it's partly because when looking up images and artwork for this movie, just for our episode artwork, you know, I kept finding this image of, of and it's on the poster of them sort of dancing together and it's, it looks really intimate and they've got their head against each other and it's quiet, it seems like. And that's not what that scene is at all, really, right? I mean, they're drinking yeah, no. and they're surrounded by white people again, which is great. And it's just like, it's all rock music, basically. Right. You know, it's all like indie rock and they're, they're breaking it down, you know? And so, I don't know, like to me, if I had to pick one area of this movie that actually felt like they were stretching it out a little bit to kind of hit that magic 125 running time, I'd say it's that area. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, uh, exactly. Uh, I don't necessarily have uh, any argument with the content. No, of it. I mean, yeah. Like that all seems to work perfectly well. And it's, I mean, it's them going out, enjoying the city that he has problems with, that she hasn't, she doesn't really have any problems with. The, the quote unquote problems are on display, mm -hmm. you know, to an extent. So yeah, like that's all great. And they're having fun. Great. But yeah, it does go on. Yeah. Just considering again, considering the economy and the reveals from the yeah. beginning, then you get to this scene. It just feels like, what am I learning now? Like what? It it's a bit of a different movie, yeah. In some to. ways, like the way it's yeah. it's you know put together. I, I gotta say though, like I love where we're at coming out of that, and I thought Wyatt Cenac, Cenac played drunk really well. You know, I mean, just like the level yeah. of his yeah. drunk, and like there's a little bit of the meanness that comes out. Uh, I thought that was all really good yeah. and well. Enjoyed that. I loved the discussion. I don't remember if it, I don't know, it was around then exactly or not. No, it was before that. But uh, the idea where he tells the story about that he went to a chili cook-off and they had a, uh, what did they call it? The Bill Cosby yeah. thing? Oh, God. He had some sort of pun yeah. for the uh, for the competition. A cosmetician? Oh, cosmetician? The cosmetician, <laughs> yeah. They do Cosby impressions. And uh, that was great. Uh, I was just like, well, I'd like to go to that chili cook-off. That sounds like a blast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would not be doing Bill Cosby uh, impersonation there, but I would be enjoying everyone no, else's. Again, we've, yeah. a lot has happened. Yes, yeah. a lot has happened. Yeah, that was interesting too. I wonder if uh, there's any sort of like looking back of, I think it just plays as like humorous either way that they're talking about it. Yeah. But yeah, if it would be a little different now if, if he were to include that scene. Did you notice, uh, okay, so there's a moment where she reveals actually what she does for an occupation because she refused to answer that question earlier really was that she makes t-shirts and yeah. some of the t-shirts are women filmmakers and she's wearing one that says Loden. And I, did you, did you know that name at all? I did not. I didn't either. I looked it up. It's Barbara Loden. I'm assuming uh, that's the only Loden I found on uh, IMDb. And she was the wife of Elia Kazan for a while and was an actress, yeah. but made a movie called Wanda that she directed and she starred in 
also Craig. She's from Marion, North Carolina, which is crazy. But um, oh. yeah, and that movie, I mean, there's there's some raves about that movie. It sounds really interesting. Maybe we'll have to check that out at some point. But I I think that is that is who it is in reference to. But man, that is a that's a pretty deep reach there because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was somewhat expecting him to like say who it is or like her to say who it is uh, in the movie itself. And uh, nope, it's just like one of those. You got to go look it up online if you're at all curious. And that's yeah. that's what I did. That's what I did. I don't know that I have anything else really to say, to point out. Obviously, there's a lot to be said about race in this movie and this and the whole subject of it. And you know, there was a moment where I like wrote down, I was like, is, is he too preoccupied with race and is she too little? But I was like, I don't think that's a for me to say or or b like what I'm supposed to take away from this at all. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I don't really have anything to completely offer or really know that I'm supposed to understand about race from this movie, other than the fact that. Yeah, this is what it feels like when you're a complete minority in this, you know, a city that everybody kind of like looks at as this great, interesting place that's becoming completely out of reach for some people. Right. And I think that's what's so cool about it, though, because it, it gives you this feeling. Like, again, like that's what I want from a movie this small is a feeling, a vibe, and a POV. And uh, I don't know. I mean, do you have any sort yeah. of like bigger picture thoughts on like what it's saying about race or anything here other than what we've said well no i mean i think i i, I think a lot of what it wants to say it, it just comes out and says yeah and uh one of the things i really do like about it is that his point of view is not represented as the correct point of view yeah both of them have things about their points of view that well their points of view are very personal and that's mm -hmm. the thing like they don't have a a a, a unbiased point of view i mean who does so you know the things he says are true and then the things she says are generally also true so yeah. it's it's like that first exchange where he's talking about his, her boyfriend being white and she's like you you know you're probably one of those people who think that black history month is february because it's the shortest month i love that or yeah something like that <laughs> and then then she kind of lays it out like here no here's why because it corresponds with these birthdays yeah and it's just like yeah okay I mean, but, but I love but like, still, like both points yeah. of view are still totally valid, you know? Yeah. Cause, and he goes, well, it is. I mean, like, whatever. Yeah, like exactly. His, <laughs> his line was great in that. Uh, there were a couple little moments like that line. And then just, I don't know, this is off topic, but like when he like sees her license, driver's license and realizes that's not her, the name that she told him she, that she's not Angela. He's like, no, you think you're slick. Yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. some little reading where it's like, okay, they let his humor like creep in just, just enough to feel like still related to this character. Right. And it's like, yeah, he, he's a funny dude. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, when they talk about it, it's out in the open and there's other moments like the museum sequence where they don't say a word. I thought that was great. Yeah. Like even just seeing like, oh, there's a door that has glass door that's got Maya Angelou's name on it and you just sort of linger on that. And it's just like, okay. Yeah. Again, like you bring what you're going to bring to this yourself. It's not really sort of saying it, but the, the characters get to say it, which I think is good, you know. I think in that interview that's on the DVD, he, he, he did say that, pretty much anything that or everything that Wyatt Cenac says in this movie are things that he said before it's definitely oh, really? uh, yeah at least on the matter of race like yeah it's it's all sort of like personal to him obviously yeah and thoughts that he had while he was living there so yeah I think that's uh, also never a bad idea to put into a movie uh, that's your first movie and a super small movie yeah 
if you can make it personal, obviously, Agreed. I think that goes a long way. Craig. Sean. Would you prescribe this particular medicine to uh, other viewers? Yeah, I would. Again, I mean, it might be more for our uh, more film literate listeners. Um, <laughs> Do we have those? I don't I'm know. Kidding. I'm not I'm kidding. one, so I yeah, wouldn't know exactly. how to judge. Um, no, but I mean, I mean, if if you're someone who likes to like get into the background of the movie and really kind of pick stuff apart, great. Because um, I can't say the first time I watched it that I was blown away and enjoyed every second of it and i can't say i felt the same way that way the second time yeah i don't think it has that impact you know at the same time i think there is a lot to take away from it such as sean i'll just point out just so we're not complete idiots when they go when they're walking around those waterfalls in the movie Mm -hmm. not that it's ever i don't think it's ever like shown like where they are or what it is if you don't know san francisco you probably don't know what it is I just want to say that is the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial that's in San okay. Francisco. I definitely did not know that. So I would not. I mean, there's no way I would have known. And and that's another thing I like about the movie is it it really doesn't necessarily like it doesn't spend a lot of time telling you exactly where they are. Yeah, it found a good time. balance. Like you're just following stuff. these yeah. two people around. Yeah, and and yet there are some moments where it's like, okay, yeah, you're in the car and you're seeing the ridiculous hills of San Francisco that you've right. seen in every other movie that's set there. And like, you get some of that, like, which I think you got to have, but again, it, it yeah. felt organic to, to the, the balance overall of yeah. this movie. Um, but I think, yeah, yeah especially, especially in the fact that he later made moonlight, I think it's definitely worth, you know, watching this just to see like, here's what Barry Jenkins has done and that kind of thing. What about you? Would you, would you, um, uh, I, I think, it? If you're getting ready to make an independent movie, like a small movie, this 100% should be on your to-watch list. Like, yeah. without question. There's so much to take away and learn. All that stuff that we've talked about, just like where he's putting the camera and the vibe of it all and like the look, all that stuff, making it on the cheap. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And I do think, yeah, it's for certain people, it, it could be a really cool movie to watch. I do feel like... It should be stated that you should not expect this movie to feel like Before Sunrise um, or any of those no. movies because, yeah, I, I think that fueled some of my disappointment in wanting them to talk more. You know, it's just like because sure. they are they're walking around. You got a whole movie there, spending a whole day together. Just just talk more because I love to hear like what they have to say and was, but yeah, I think I was probably expecting that based upon just yeah. kind of what I knew with this movie when I found it. But yeah, for certain people, it's it's well worth watching and i just read today that it is available on mubi m-u-b-i if you're perhaps a subscriber to that oh. you can check it out there i think it'll be up for 30 days and then craig one more thing i found today that i didn't know about i must have missed last week looks like barry jenkins also has a thriller with chadwick boseman called expatriate that he may be filming soon which oh, really? all we know is a uh, about a 1970s plane hijacking. So I'm 100% on board with that idea. That sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. I like Agreed. all of those people, and I like watching things get hijacked. So put that on a t-shirt. I love it. Guns? Eh, yeah, they, they, there I might be it. guns in there, and I, I, I'm cool okay. with that if they're if, yeah, if they're on screen. As long as I they're just, not, as long as they're not pointed at me. Movie, That's true, yeah. yeah. I would bet, Craig, there will be some guns in that movie. It says it's, it's a heist okay. thriller. I mean, it's a thriller. You can't not have guns. But 
That's true. Who knows? Come back next week. We will tee up another movie that I'm excited about, but I'm not going to tell you what, you did, what it is yet. Mm-mm. It's a secret. It's going to be cool. Craig, any last words? Uh, words of wisdom today, Sean. You know what? You should never lose. You should always either win or learn. Oh, that's interesting. Thank you. I'll try to do both. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>